Well, Trinity Sunday, it's a Sunday that Father talks about, you know, shamrocks and stuff. Um, I've never done that because I just think it's silly. But, um, but I have done the thing, you know, the whole philosophy thing and the, the traditional sort of understanding of, of the triune God. And I was thinking about that today, and I thought, nobody remembers that. Pete says he remembers it, but I don't even think Pete remembers it. He claims he does. But so then I thought, well, look, here's the deal. Why do we believe that God is a trinity? Is it because we can understand how it works? No. How do we understand how Jesus becomes man? How does the second person become, second person of the trinity even become incarnate? Can't really understand it. You know, certainly theologians have tried, you know, to explain it, to make it rational. So even, you know, you read the great theologians on, on the Holy Trinity, and they, they, all, they all say, look, basically, this is not a full explanation of God. How in the world could we ever completely understand God? However, it is a way of demonstrating that it, it's rational to believe that God could be a trinity. So three persons in one divine nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always existed. There never was a time when they were not. None of them came before the other. They have all existed. And they exist in this unity of substance, their divinity. They are all God. But there's a distinctness in their person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that there are certain things that all of the, the divine trinity does together by, by virtue of them being God, but there are also specific things that certain persons of, of the blessed trinity do that the, other, the others don't. So for instance, you would not say the Father descended upon the disciples on, at Pentecost. You would say, well, no, the Holy Spirit did. But you could say, well, God did. Yes, that's right, because the Holy Spirit is God. You, you could also say, you know, of course, Jesus died on the cross, true. God died on the cross, true. The Father died on the cross. By the way, this is my test back in seminary. I'm just remembering what the test was on the test. But here's the thing that I, I think is most essential. I don't know. Today, this is the thing I think is most essential about God as a trinity, is that when you have two persons who are perfect, I talked about this last week, you have two persons who are perfect, eternal, have always existed. Part of that perfection is love. And so not only do you have the two existing from all time, but the bond of love exists from all time because there never was a time when the father wasn't or the son wasn't. Therefore, there also was never a time when the love between them didn't exist either, the love, as we know, being the Holy Spirit. So what this tells us then is the internal nature of God, if you will, or the interior nature of God is love. So you say, well, God is love. Well, this is why we say God is love. Because in his essence, he is lovingness perfectly. Because God can do nothing imperfectly. He can only do things perfectly. So 
from all of time, God perfectly loves. All right, now, second, second reading from today talks about how we have become adopted sons and daughters of God. Now, by, ver- by virtue of the second person of the Trinity becoming man, Jesus Christ, he unites for all of eternity the divine nature and the human nature and then takes our human nature back to the Father. And in doing so, unites us, every single one of us, our nature with the divine nature. So we are able then to participate in that lovingness. We're not just, uh, you know, the imperfection of lovingness that we experience here on earth, but that God calls us to experience the perfection of his love, to participate in that even now. I've talked to parents, many parents throughout the years, and um, they'll, they'll speak of when their child is born, especially their first child. And they'll say, you know, when my first child was born, I, I was just consumed with love, a love like I had never felt before. And I never felt like I could love in that, in that way and yet I did. I yet, you know, I didn't know that I had that kind of ability within myself to love in that fashion. And yet, and yet they were able to. And they, they've even said to me, you know, and then the second one was going to be born. And I thought, well, how can I love the second one as well as the first one? Well, I suppose it depends on how the first one's doing. But the... <laughs> Just wait till he's five. Um, no, I. How can I love that second one as much as I love the first one? And then the second one is born, and there's more room. There's more room to love. Well, how does that happen? Where did that come from? And I know some of you. I don't know where that came from either. How did. <laughs> but you know, I. <laughs> You know, even myself thinking about my, uh, my nieces and nephew, you know, obviously I don't have any kids, but you know, my nieces and nephew were born and um, also even within myself, I was overcome by a love that I had never felt before. This is amazing. How can I love this much? I mean, it almost hurts you love so, like your heart is just bursting. It's these moments you know, when we have this experience of love. And it's not just a, a parent for children. It, it could be a friend. It could be, it could be your spouse. It could be, you know, obviously somebody very close to you where for some reason there is this love that is shared which seems to have no limit. And we wonder where does it come from? How in the world could I do that? How in the world could I have that kind of love? And I think that, you know, we get a glimpse of it because of this understanding of what God has done with us. I mean, what does he want ultimately? What does God want from me? He wants us to grow our ability to love, our capacity to love. He doesn't want us just to follow the rules. He wants us to actually become people who really, really love who really are able to expand that, to 
if you will, grow our hearts to love not just the people that are easy to love, but even love those who aren't worth it, perhaps. I mean, everyone's worth it, but you know, well, sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard. And God wants us to love them too. So that we are not merely people who follow the rules, but that we're people who have been fundamentally altered more and more into sons and daughters of him. You say, I think, I think this is what our hearts long for. You know, they, they long for love without limit, freedom without limit. And the, the only way that we can love without limit is learning from God who has loved us without limit. I mean, sometimes we'll search all our lives for true unconditional love. You know, and the older we get, the more we realize that even the love we thought was unconditional very often isn't. That in this life, it's really, really difficult because we're all fallible. However, sometimes the Lord actually does bless us. You know, I think particularly of parents with children. The Lord does bless us with this capacity, and it gives us a glimpse, I think, of eternity. It gives us a glimpse of what life must be like with God forever. This limitless love, this love that just sort of explodes from within us and cannot be contained. If you will, that's the kind of love it seems that God has for us. And that's the kind of lovingness he calls us to participate in as well. Please stand.